alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening. It's so good to have everyone here tonight. I'm going to start out by giving you... Let's get closer together. <laughs> Since we're in relationship. We might forget where we're at. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to give you a definition of relationship. It is the way two or more or a group regard and behave toward each other. So tonight I want to start out saying that we all are in relationship with one another. We are a group of people. And just as the song that was playing at the very beginning, it means that we are family. And a big thing uh, that is a part of my family is that we really love taking pictures together. So Kent and I are going to take a selfie or an ussy with you all in the background. So stand up. Since Pastor Miller don't know what a selfie is, we're going to take one together. Okay. Oh, oh, we're there. We're there. Can you see yourself? Oh, I can't see me. There. All right. Woohoo! Got that done. You we're are gonna, part gonna, of family. We're going to post that 542 times <laughs> on the internet. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Relationship, Jesus gave us the foundation to what relationship should be. When he told his disciples in John chapter 13, he said, I have a new commandment for you, and that is that you would love one another as I have loved you. So our foundation for our relationships is love. And Bob Goff says, love does. Well, one of the things that, you know, we got to understand how important relationships is, is what Jesus said himself when he was praying to the Father and he said, Lord, make them one, even as you and I are one. And that oneness together is so, so vitally important. And then in Matthew chapter 22, when it literally tells us to love your neighbor as yourself, that's hard to do, to love someone as yourself. And then in 1 John 4 and 20, he says, you know, a person says that he loves God and hates his brother. He's a liar and the truth's not in him. He said, how can you hate your brother? Whom, how, you, how do you say that you love God whom you have seen when you hate your brother whom you've not seen? And so relationships are so vitally important that really we, I have come to understand in my life that if my relationship isn't right with my fellow man, my wife, my church family, or whatever, it's an indicator that something's wrong with my relationship with God. And uh, because I have come to know some things about putting God first in a relationship that makes everything else okay. But you know, when you begin to go through the New Testament, it's amazing at the amount of scriptures that is relational. You know, to encourage one another, love one another, pray for one another, uh, spur one on to good works. It talks about restoring one another. It and it just goes on and on and on. Edify one another, and those kinds of things. And uh, then when you get to the, you know, what the the greatest scripture all, and we all know the golden rule. What is it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So tonight we're opening up the doors to relationships and what they look like in our lives. I loved everything that Stacy said about the people that have ministered to her life. And I want to share an example of uh, Kent and I's 
uh, journey of marriage as a husband and wife, and it started years ago in a tiny little house in Dudley, Missouri. And we lived right next to the church, and we went to church all the time. We loved going to church. It wasn't because we, you know, was made to. We were married, so we got to do what we wanted to, and we went to church. Well, there was a few times when we was just uh, learning how to be married in our relationship that we'd have uh, conversations, and they were really uh, heated. Not passionate, but heated. And uh, so we had had these conversations, and this is a very important point to relationships, is to continue to do what you know to do. So we would be right in the middle of a, a discussion, and we look at the clock, oh no, it's time for church, we gotta go to church. So instead of staying home and trying to figure out who was right and who was wrong, we would go to church, and we would stand by each other. And you know how that feels when you're standing by somebody you're having a nice discussion with, and you're standing there, and the first congregational song would go, and they'd sing, and then the second one. And by the time the third one got there, we were holding hands. And we had allowed the Spirit to touch our hearts and make us tender-hearted and loving and forgiving to one another. And I'm telling you, we still practice that today. We still practice being in the presence of God and making us tender-hearted to one another that we can stay together, and it's been 36 years. So that's a, that's a powerful thing. That's part of our relationship. And that wasn't easy to learn because uh, in the earlier days when we would have those discussions, uh, Jenny could kind of get over things. You know, it's usually the opposite. A woman would want to brood a little longer than the man, but she'd, she'd get me upset, and I'd want to hang on to it. I'd, I'd get mad and just want, I want to get away. Just leave me alone. Let me cool off. No, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And that, you know, that just irritate me. It's like, you're going to push this prayer stuff on me. And uh, finally, you know, we grab hands, and we'd start praying, and all of a sudden, you would just start melting like wax in the presence of God. And it was that we come to understand one mighty principle, and that is that a family that begins to take the Scripture literally and understand the Scripture and understand that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, that we're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, and understand that we're not one another's enemy, and that when the enemy comes in to you know, cause us to have those frictions, and you're going to have them in every marriage, is that uh, we have to live out the Scripture. And like she said, one of the things we had to get over is that false guilt about doing something you didn't really feel like doing. Uh, you know, her wanting to grab my hand and pray, and then I'd sit there, for, and she'd take off praying. I'd sit there for the longest, and finally, you know, yeah, Lord, and then all of a sudden, all, you can't stay mad at somebody that you pray for. Did you know that? And you can't stay mad at somebody that when the presence of the Lord begins to move. And before long, it would all be under the blood, and we would walk away um, forgiving one another. May not still be agreeing, but we would begin to respect one another. And then we could work it out in the light of the Scripture and walk through it together. As a priest of the home and as a wife, we would sit down and we would discuss it. And them things has not been easy, but, but they've been fun because the fights that we have had is so wonderful to make up, isn't it? Now, guys, hey, it's okay to say that, isn't it? Uh, to come together again in harmony and in unity and in love. And I love my wife more now than I've ever loved her in my whole entire life. 
we're getting older, things is uh, happening, we're having grandchildren, and uh, we're going on a different journey together, but we're enjoying each other more now than we ever have. We're, we've grown. We've come to understand how to walk the Christian faith. And uh, the last thing that I'll say, and I'll be done, is that no matter who you are, I'm telling you that if you don't have the right relationship with Christ, you're never going to have the right relationship with your spouse or anybody else, your boss, your church family, or anything else. When you are out of sync with Christ, you're out of sync with everybody because it is that relationship with Christ that brings the validity to the relationship with everybody else. And, uh, and so it's, it's, what, it's what guards you. It's what keeps you. There's a scripture that I just love, and it talks about how that God's able to keep me from falling and, pre- and keep me uh, and preserve me until the day that he comes and returns for me, the NIV says. And so, therefore, that preservation of God, that keeping power, that sustaining power of me and him controls everything else that I do. It's the root and the basis of everything that brings about the validity of relationship with me and my wife and my family and everybody else. We're going to take up the offering. (laughs) If the ushers would come forward. I can make another little point is that relationship is not about what I can get from someone but what can I give to someone okay well if you really want to know (laughs) go ahead and pray father we are so thankful for tonight and the different uh, uh, type of service that we're about to have we uh, thank you for the offering God that we're going to be receiving tonight and we pray blessings over it but we also pray blessings over this table talk God we pray that father that we would be spurred on by one another's faith and one another's testimonies and one another's comments. We pray blessings on this whole service and the offering in Jesus' name. Amen. I did the choreography myself. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking cuz I'm trying to watch the game? If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday I didn't ask you but I knew it'd be okay Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show I taped it over our old wedding video If you're a man who've done that A long and happy life Lives up to Solo! Okay! Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake Your eyes look puffy, dear, are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill <laughs> You're a man who wants to live a long and happy love that too These are the things you don't say to me. You're a man who doesn't want to get killed with a knife These are the things you don't say to me.
Well, good evening. So we know what we don't say to our wife. Today I told my husband what you don't buy some, your wife for Christmas. I don't got one, not one, but two bathroom scrubber brushes. <laughs> and I opened up a big old box and I thought, oh, what could it be? And my kids and my grandkids were so excited and it was a as seen on TV scrubber brush. <laughs> And then the next one was a Wendy's gift certificate. I know, he's great, isn't he? I love him, 40 years, 40 years. And I said, to, these are the things you don't give to your wife for Christmas, Mark, anything, diamonds, diamonds, Keith and Donna, I don't know where they're at, but diamonds is good, you know? So tonight is Girlfriend Conversation and Real Men Talk. And you can tell that we are not separated tonight, but we are together, and we're doing this for a reason because I feel like that these people up here are going to tell us a lot of things and we need to know it together and it is not a couples it's not a couples panel it's a how many of you have kids if I had a dollar for every time my daughter said I'm 17 I do what I want if I had a dollar, I would be wealthy today. I would not be probably working at the church. But, so we can all glean from things like that. So we have work relationships. We have parent relationships. We have husband and wife relationships and friend relationships. So we're going to talk about all of those tonight. This is one thing I've learned while studying for this is that families are messy and friendships are messy and it didn't just start today Adam and Eve their sons it was messy it was messy then you had Moses and Aaron they were such good friends then you had Naomi and Ruth I mean how wonderful was that mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship that was wonderful so all through time, there has been relationships. And these, this panel I'm going to introduce you to is going to tell us their ideas about faith, finance, and relationships. And we all have family members. Some of them we're closer to than others. Some of them are sick and need prayer some of us have prodigal children that need to be prayed home and some of us have, are better at finances some people in our family are better at finances than others mark would set me down and give me and say we're going to do a budget and i'd say oh, no you can't put me in a box like a budget that would just be bad for me but we would talk about it and we'd figure it out and he would tell me this is what we're going to do and this is what we did and so tonight all these things are going to come to pass and these people are going to help us and I'm going to tell you about each of them and then you're going to be a part of this so while I'm doing this I want you to take your phones out and get them ready because you're going to need them okay I'm going to get behind these people because I don't like being in front of them and I'm going to start with this young man right here Jacob Bogus. he's young He's amazing, and when I think about him, I think about a man after God's own heart. 
He has always loved the Lord. He is married to Samantha. He is going to school and to be a counselor, and he works all the time. Is that not amazing? An amazing young man in Jacob Bogus. And then we have Ben Miller, who I've known forever. Very intense young man. Anything he liked, he went at wholeheartedly. He is a Sunday school teacher. He is a father of four. He's married to Sophie. And he is a barber. That's why he looks so handsome. That's why all the men in our church look so handsome. Because Ben helps them out. And this is Joshua. He's like my son. This boy is like my son. I can't take credit for that, though. That's uh, Lane and Rowena. But um, he's going to school to get his doctorate in theology. He's been a youth pastor. He's a Sunday school teacher, or he does teach Sunday school. He teaches young adults. He loves to study. One day I went in his office, and he had, like, the anatomy pulled up. And I said, Josh, what are you doing? He said, I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe being a doctor. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You just think about being a doctor? Okay, well, that was amazing to me. He is so, so smart. And I love Josh, and he is a pastor here at the church. And then there is Jerry Turner and Pammy, his wife. And I can't really say them two separate because they do everything together. <laughs> they love the Lord amazingly, and they do it together. You see them on the praise team, leading us in worship together. I seen them. My daughter invited them out to her life group early on when they first started coming here. And Sierra said, Mom, these people are awesome. They just, they just come in and shared the word and shared their life. And I thought, oh, my gosh, these I've got to get to know these people. And they're wonderful, and I have. And so I know we're going to glean a lot from them. And Marilyn Brayton, oh my gosh, Marilyn single-handedly almost runs Larry Hillis Dodge. She just absolutely lets Larry Hillis put his name on the building. It's really Marilyn Brayton. And Marilyn makes this Christian life so fun. That is one thing I can say about her. When I will be serious about being a Christian, Marilyn has always got a joke. She's always got a scripture to line up with that joke, and it's always good. And she would never say that about Larry Hillis Dodge. That would just be me saying that about Larry Hillis. <laughs> but I know she does a lot, and her biggest thing is yet to come. In just a few short weeks, she's going to be a grandma. So this woman right here will lose her mind. So just watch her now, because it's coming. Okay, and then we have Amanda Crawford. Amanda is an administrative assistant at Kaufman and Company. She's married to Eric. They have two children. She is very smart. This is out of her comfort zone. And she is going to be very good because she knows the word and she loves God. And that's all it takes to be on this panel. And then this little girl, my goodness, Mallory Morton. I don't think she will make me more emotional than all the others put together because she's amazing. She's the mother of three. She's married to Patrick, and she has Curtis. <laughs> you know, that's just a bonus. 
And she does junior children's church. She's the director there. She's the one that if you're sick or you have a baby, she plans meals and, and gets people to bring you meals through that sickness. And this is the one thing I love about Mallory. She lives in her grandma and grandpa's house. It was important to her. And so her, she moved, and her husband went with her, thank the Lord, and they moved <laughs> into her grandma and grandpa's house. And she takes such good care of it. And if you ever want to see a good Christian lady, you look at this little lady right here. You look at this young lady right here who works very hard at being a stay-at-home mom and taking care of three beautiful children and her husband and an avid basketball. She goes to all the basketball games, and I could just talk for an hour about Mallory, but I won't. And then Wayne and Lynn is going to moderate this group. They've got the questions, so if anybody starts to fight, we're not going to call Jerry Springer. We're going to call Wayne and Lynn. They're going to keep everything on a good level. And uh, they are ahead. You heard Josh and Stacy tell they're head of the marriages class. And they help our married couples if there are struggles. They are encouragers. And they have done ministry together forever. And so this is our panel. These are our moderators. And we're going to start the evening off. And so the first thing I want you to do is take out your cell phones. Because all through this service, we're going to stop, and we're going to ask questions, and you're going to answer those questions on your phone. And as you do, it's going to appear up here on the, on the screen. So as soon as you answer the question, it's going to start going across the screen, but nobody will know who answered what. So you go to your camera, or you go to the church website. If you have an older phone, you can go to the church app, the church app I mean. And you go to more and scroll down and it will ask polling questions. So has everybody got there? Because this is our first polling question. So you get your camera, you hold it up. Oh, I missed it. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Okay. Did it go? Everybody got it? No. No? Okay. There, it should have went. Maybe it's everybody trying to do it at once. Okay, go to the website. Maybe you can get on there. It's not working there either? Take a picture? Okay. I can't get it to do nothing but take a picture of wine. What's <laughs> <laughs> your problem? <laughs> okay, we're going to ask the first polling question. Steve, put it back up and we'll see if it works, if anybody's on. Is it an unrealistic expectation to think our relationships will, be, will fulfill our every need? So I'm going down, you all put in your answers. Okay. We'll give you just a couple minutes to see how that poll turns out and then we'll get things started. Looks like you're getting a question right so far. 
Oh, people are changing their votes now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, now let's get, get our uh, Christian conversation going tonight. I'm going to go ahead and use my manners. I'm going to let the ladies go first, but I'm going to ask the question. And I'm going to pick on Marilyn, if that's all right. And if it's not, I still have the mic, so I get to ask the question, so it's fine. Uh, why are relationships so important in our lives? Well, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And he created Adam. And it was, Adam was not, he was not fulfilled, so he created Eve. That's a relationship. He did have relationship with animals, and I'm not an animal person, but a lot of people are. They love their, their furry, furry children, they call them. But he, that did not satisfy him, and God knew that wouldn't satisfy him, so he created Eve. And that was the, the first human relationship, and it just goes from there. We need each other. We need each other for support. We need each other for love. We just need each other. We cannot live alone to ourselves. And God never intended for us to. I, I like that. That's very good. Is there anybody else who'd like to add to that? Anybody on the panel? No? All right. Ben, this is for you. <clears throat> How do you deal with issues, conflicts, and disagreements? Because that's very important to know when you are in any kind of relationship, friendship, marriage, any kind of relationship, how do you deal with it? Well, uh, probably not the best all the time, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on the, you know, it depends on the situation or who it's with. Uh, you know, you got conflicts with coworkers, conflicts with uh, friends, spouses, um, everybody's had a conflict with in the relationship they're in, no matter who it is. Um, the way I deal with it most of the time, if, you know, if I'm going by a biblical standpoint, uh, is, is to handle it and be and honest, being honest. Uh, never withhold the truth. Uh, I've learned that that is the most uh, effective way of resolving something the right way, is being completely 100% honest, whatever the situation is. Does anybody want to add to that? I'd like to say that uh, I try to enact the Joseph principle in my life when I run up against a relationship that is difficult, hard to understand. Uh, the Joseph principle basically gives you joy because it's Joseph overlooks you in order to see the purpose of God that he can have in every difficulty and he can make a Romans 8.28 moment out of it. That's what God wants to do in every relationship. So if you can focus on, you know how Joseph, what he went through, his brother sold him, he was put in prison, he did all kinds of difficulty. But in the end, the Bible says that he said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So he looked past what they did, and uh, that enabled him to have a relationship with his brothers even ongoing after that. They were fearful of him, but he wasn't fearful of them. And that's what God does for us in those relationships. So if you ever have a, a difficulty, think about Joseph and think about the joy. Joseph overlooks you in order to see what God's purpose is in his life. Very good, very good. Um, Pammy, this, uh, this next question is, it was submitted through the church app when we were advertising this panel program we were going to do. 
And it's a, it's a difficult one, but uh, this is how it reads. I need to give scriptural advice to a person in a very physically abusive marriage. She says scripturally she can't divorce. Can she? If not, what is the solution based on scripture? Well, first of all, uh, the first question I would ask is how bad is the abuse? You know, if, it's, if it, her life is endangered, then she needs to get out of there Absolutely. and get to a safe place. Right. Uh, and not have contact with that person alone, you know, because they're going to be even more agitated. Right. Um, and secondly, I would, I would suggest for them to seek a biblical, a good biblical counselor. Yes. And then thirdly, when you have somebody who is, uh, out, has uncontrolled displaced anger like that, uh, it's, it's actually a learned behavior. And so one of the best things for her to do for her husband if she wants to save the marriage, I mean, she doesn't have much to lose, right, if she's talking about divorcing him. Right. But if, if she wants to save the marriage, she needs to expose him for yes. his own good. Yes. Uh, and so that he'll have accountability yes. to put a stop to this. Right. And, you know, there's, people can be fighting in their house, you know, anger raging, and the pastor knocks on the front door, and boy, they can shut it off quick. Hi, <laughs> <Barbara> Miller. <laughs> So, you know, we can unlearn our learned behaviors. And so uh, I wouldn't suggest divorce right away. But then, and then if he uh, will work with her, then together they could seek counseling. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, I believe that, that that question right there is a key to understanding that you need multiple, multiple relationships because then there's other people you can turn to in that situation, like right. you say, and get that right. kind of advice, get that protection exactly. that you need, and, and that accountability partner. Right. Somebody in their relationship pool could be that accountability partner to that husband. Right. That and is you know, you hear people say, uh, as far as the lady that's staying in the relationship, you deserve what you tolerate, you know, on one hand. But then on the other hand, uh, the, the people you know, they want to save their marriage. Absolutely. So, so you have Absolutely. to give it a chance. Absolutely. Uh, this next one, Jerry, is for you. And it's, um, what's the best strategy for dealing with ongoing sin in the Christian life? Um, sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be destroyed. Jesus did not come to patty cake sin. He came to forgive sin, to forget sin. Right? That's what he came to do. But most of the time, what we end up doing is focusing on sin when we are living in some type of secret sin or other sin that we don't want people to know. Most of it is hidden sin that we don't want everybody to know, but we tend to focus on how do I overcome that? And you feel like you're hitting the reset button every week, every day. What you need to do is what our declaration says. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and He has delivered me from all of my troubles and fears. You can focus on sin, but that only makes sin bigger. My wife says it all the time. Whatever you focus on just gets bigger. So start focusing, just like when you're mowing a yard or planting a field, you don't plant the row or mow the yard looking down at the mower hoping you stay straight. You look ahead to make sure that your line is right. 
And that's what we have to do, is we have to keep our eye on the goal, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You'll overcome a lot of things in your life just by focusing on that. Do you believe that? But you have to speak it, like Brother Miller says. We have to declare it. We don't just say, oh, yeah, another sin, here I go again. No. When you do it, you make a mistake, you do a sin, you think, oh, man, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's word will not return void, but it will accomplish what I say it says. Amen? Amen. That's, an, that's another uh, situation where uh, exposure and accountability is yes. going to go a long way on helping that person uh, overcome that sin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, I'm going to pose the next question to you. Is it profitable for a Christian to engage in social drinking? Uh, no. <laughs> Good answer. that's going to negatively um, impact my witness for Christ, I shouldn't do it. If it's going to potentially cause another saint to fall, cause another saint to stumble in their walk with the Lord, then I as a Christian have a responsibility to try and live above that. Very good answer. Thank you, Josh. Mallory, I want to ask you this. Uh, what are the positives of having accountability in your life? What's the importance of it? Um, first, I would say that the Bible is clear that two are better than one. Like she said earlier, uh, from the very first of creation, God created, he said it was good. God created, he said it was good. Then he created man, and he saw that he was alone, and he said, oh, no, this isn't good. So you have to have that accountability in your life for encouragement for um, pushing you to do uh, the will of Christ. I'll be honest, when I was asked to do this panel, I said no. I said I didn't want to do it. And um, Lynn and I talked, and, and, and the more we talked, the more I was like, you know what? If I do it, what am I going to get from it? I'm probably going to read more of the Word. I'm probably going to spend more time in prayer. And so just the accountability of the Bible says, even when you know what you should do and you don't do it, that's sin. 
So even the accountability of having somebody to push you to do things, um, it gives you support. And uh, to pray. I know there's many times where um, I probably couldn't pray for myself about a certain issue, but I've had friends that were praying for me. So the accountability, even as my husband and I have the accountability to have you read the word today, you know, you have to have somebody pushing you because we're flesh and we fail. And um, without the accountability, we will just be all about ourselves. Uh, Amanda, what would you say are some of the biggest issues facing parents today? Well, I have um, children that are young, so um, I would definitely say social media is the big one, which cell phones go along with that. But the main thing is social media. I feel like that has been a big impact on our life. Um, we just have to try to monitor it the best we can. And we have to go back to the next, the question before, accountability. When they do something that they shouldn't, we have to make them accountable for what they've done. And as hard as it is on parents, um, you know, kids just think that, oh, we're just doing it to be mean, but we have to make them accountable for things that they do. So social media, I would say for us, is the biggest thing that we have to deal with um, on a normal basis. And we just try to do the best we can as parents and monitor what they do. Uh, I want to add a little bit on this. I have two sons, one's 36 and one's 26. And I know raising my boys, I was not their best friend. I was their parent. Mm -hmm. And that makes a big difference because I live by Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I know that when I speak scripture over my boys' life, God hears it. But you got to be a parent to your children and not their best friend. Now my boys are older, and they're my best friends. They call their mom five or six times a day. You know, and that's okay. I want to be their best friend. But when they're growing up to maturity and growing up to be a man of God that you have ordained and claimed for them to be, you have to be the parent because that's going to make a world of difference. So, I keep telling my kids that um, one day they will appreciate what I'm doing. They just may not appreciate it right now. Amen. <laughs> that's right. Amen. That is exactly right. And also, can I add, discipline is not a bad word. No. Yes. That's what I always used to teach mine all the time. You have to make sure they, you discipline them, but they have to learn discipline themselves. And it's not a bad word. God wants us disciplined, and all that teaching comes under that same discipline. Yes. Now, I think that, that the, the young mothers nowadays, they have a harder time maybe than I did raising my children because you can't monitor that all the time unless you're smarter than I am. <laughs> and I didn't know how to get on the Internet, so you're probably smarter. <laughs> but there are so many ways of hiding it, you know. So I think you have to pray harder even. Yeah. We're and we don't that. want to let machines teach our kids. No. Well, God's do, given us human beings to teach. I do feel like it has impacted a lot of um, the way kids socialize now. Yeah. I don't feel like they can socialize as well because of uh, cell phones is just such a big thing. There's a lot of texting and, you know, stuff going on rather than having face-to-face -face talks. Because <laughs> you've got those, um, those home machines like Alexa and Google, and the guy named Justin Briarly did a little uh, interview with them, and he, he said, to, said to one of them, uh, is there a God? 
And he said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, what do you do when uh, you die? The one said, I hope you plug me back in. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's what you get. So, so any you of don't, you, we, won't, we don't want that teaching our kids. No. So any of you parents out there, the young parents, if you need wisdom on discipline, wisdom, how to guide your home, book of, the book of Proverbs yeah. is amazing. That has been this month of the month of February. That's been my devotional that I've done all month is Proverbs. And I, you, I've thought I read that. I've read that scripture over and over. But when I read it again, it gives me something new to look at. Yeah. You know, and, and God, he gives you the tools to be able to do what he wants you to do. He just don't sit you out here and say, well, you do it and you figure it out. He's not that kind of God. He will give you the scriptures to be able to be a good leader in your home. Can I add something about the challenges as a parent? Um, I noticed something in my profession. In today's time, it's culture. I see it's a big challenge. The evolving culture that parents think that or have this belief system that their kids should be in control or that kids have more choices and options than they should ever be laid on the table to make decisions. Uh, there's also that other proverb, uh, they're like arrows in your quiver. You can shoot them in what direction you want in life. But all the media and everything tells you that children should express themselves exactly who they are. You know, we got kids now that are trying to decide what gender they are. You know, when I was eight years old, I still thought I was Batman sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to see that, that the parents give kids options when there shouldn't be that option, you know, to get up in a barber chair to get a haircut. And I know there's always a, a rough time, and I'm not judging anybody that's had to sometimes lose a battle with their child. I have. But the thing is, is we are in control with our kids. We, we, are, we push them where they're going to go in life. And they may fall, and, and, and they may backslide from what they're taught, but they'll always return. Marilyn, I want to ask you this. Um, what advice would you give Christians that have unsaved spouses, unsaved children, or relatives? How would you speak to them about that? Well, the Bible teaches us that, a, that the unsaved husband can be saved through the wife mm -hmm. as long you know, she can lead him to the Lord. So you always have to have love. I still believe that you have to, you have to as much as you can, you would still submit and, and live a godly life and bind the devil every day. <laughs> Ask the good Lord to open their spiritual eyes of understanding that they can receive that engrafted word of God. That's in Ephesians. I would pray like that. Also, again, you, you cover them with the blood of Jesus and then you love them. Because you can't make anybody change. You can't make them at all. But you also don't compromise. There's, there's a, a, I mean, a lot of times in life, you know, they say, well, everybody else is doing it. That's okay. We're not. Okay, this is the way we've chosen to live, and we're not. And you, you take the Word of God, and you live by the Word of God. I do think you need to have a sweet spirit, but you still have to never compromise the Word of God, and then you pray. Yes. Very good. Jacob, you're going to finish up this amount of questioning we're doing here. and I know you're a nice young married man, but this is a question about dating, and I think uh, you can still give us some good advice because uh, I watched you as you were uh, dating your, your young bride, and 
you exhibited some really good traits. The question goes, how can dating be done in a way that is healthy and righteous? Um, there, was, there was one point uh, when Samantha and I were dating, and, uh, you know, we, we discussed marriage, and, and you, know, we, you know, we knew things were getting pretty serious and everything, and there was a point in our relationship where uh, I felt prompted by God that whenever we'd meet up, whether we were just hanging out or we were going on a date, um, that we would take time to pray together um, to start off that, uh, that time together. And I'm not going to say we were faithful to that every single time. Sometimes we just met up and went to the river and went fishing. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but um, that was one thing that, you know, um, as far as just living a righteous relationship before the Lord, there's a lot of push uh, just in the media uh, for un, you know, unrighteous relationships. I don't right. think I have to expound on that too much. But... Um, to set a tone for the whole time that you spend together is very important. Yes. And, uh, and prayer was one way to do that. And uh, for young people that are looking for relationships and dating, um, don't try to go out and find somebody to fix up. If, you know, the Bible talks about being equally yoked. Um, especially if you're just, you know, in middle school or high school and you want to date somebody. <laughs> I mean, good grief, don't, don't yoke yourself to somebody that doesn't love the Lord. Um, Amen. Um, you know, when, when Israel fell several times, it was because they were, um, mingling with people, uh, the other nations that they were supposed to wipe out in the first place. And, uh, you know, just establish righteousness in their relationship and hold to that. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Jake. All right. It's time for us to do another polling question. So get your phones ready. That was good, man. All right. Uh, this is good because it's already come up with this panel. Uh, kind of hits on this, this subject of this question is, are you on an electronic device not including work for more than one hour per day? We must have picked really easy questions. You guys are getting them right every time. It's amazing. This is a good church. I'm not surprised at all. I think that's better. Since we're talking about this is going to be directed to Ben, because he has little, he has children, some coming into teenage years. How do you deal with distractions like cell phones, Facebook, TV, video games? How do you uh, deal with that in your home? Well, we definitely have boundaries and limits on them kind of things. Uh, my way of operating, I've noticed, you know, I knew from a, for a long time now that this was going to be an issue when the kids got older of, of having boundaries with that, just as it was in my generation with uh, your PlayStations and Xboxes and all that, but now it's to a whole nother level. They can pack these things everywhere they go. So um, one thing I did with my boys and my daughter, you know, and boys more particular, um, is to got them interested in things that I knew that would overcome them kind of things. And I'm not saying that would work for everybody, but it has in my situation. 
They love to be outside. They love, they got a lot of activities they're involved in uh, physically and um, in, in, athlete, uh, uh, in the athletic department. But uh, the main thing is, is just to have a set, set boundary and set rule in our home. If we, we know that me and my wife are in agreement, there's a, so much of time they can be on one thing and she'll go down there, all right, y'all need a break, y'all need to figure something else out. And, you, and once again, you don't give them the option to tell you how bad they need it or how bad they want it. You just let them know up front there's no, there's no argument, there's no contemplating. You can still do it. You have to do something different, mm-hmm. period. And that's worked great. We don't struggle with that much in my house. Uh, they do get on them, and they, nat- you know, sometimes that I just even tell them to just naturally get off of it and do something else. So that's been very effective way uh i say teens but you know i have a three-year-old grandson and today we couldn't figure something out on his ipad well he immediately knew what to do with it (laughs) he's three so we also have to watch our little ones how much they are on their devices as well and this is one thing i can say about misty and brooks because they're mine and i know they're home they let their children have a device and what amazes me that these their homes have computers they have iPads, they have cell phones. There's so many devices in their home that could take their attention away. But at they have, like Ben, they have a certain amount of time that they're on them. But then after that time's up, they make try to get them to engage like in something that they like. Like Parker likes to read. They'll say, go to, you know, pick up a book and read it. So there's a balance there, but it's just not for teens because these little ones, they're smart. They know how to do these devices. So just, you know, keep an eye on them just as much as you do your teens. I would like to add to that, too. Do you want some more time? Hello? Hello? There you are. Um, Not only that, but ourselves. I can specifically remember the day where Maggie came to me and was like, Mom, Put your phone down and play with me. Talk about breaking my heart. You know what I mean? They learn from us. We like to say that it's new and they have cell phones, they have iPads, but I don't know if anybody has the newest iPhone update, but it'll tell you exactly how much time you're on your phone, what app you're on, how many minutes you're spending on that day. So I was just like, oh, I'll set a limit for myself. I know I don't go over this amount. And then it popped up like five hours into the day, your limit's up. And I was like, I've been on my phone that much today. I had no idea that I was doing that. So I think that they, they learn by example, too. And we have to hold ourselves accountable if we want them to also be accountable. Also, I'd say one more thing. Do stuff with your children. Yes. Take yes. your kids to do things. Absolutely. Yes. I had no desire in them things. I had a father and a grandfather and brothers. And I know not everybody has that. But if you're a parent to a child, do things with them hands on. Right. And it takes a lot of that desire away. And I've failed at that at times, and I've caught myself and realized, all right, just as Mallory's saying, I need to get down and interact with this child. Yes. And that's important. Absolutely. Amen. Christian families are, are susceptible to that, too. I mean, there was a story uh, about a guy who was, worked at a church. Uh, he was having a birthday. His, his daughter and his family went out with him. They went to Chick-fil-A. His daughter's name was Lily Faith. Okay, think of all these Christian symbols that we're talking about right now. He was a pastor. She was nine years old, and she wanted to, they asked her to pray for his birthday when he was having his dinner at Chick-fil-A. And she said, Dear Alexa, would you please bless my daddy's birthday? 
That's how much the influence was there, and they didn't know it. And he said, I realized at that point I had lost touch with what was happening in my house, even though he had all the nice things happening, the names, the symbols, and everything. So we got to be careful and watch, just like you said. It's very important. Stay guarded. Yes. Josh, what is the impact of social media on relationships? Well, I think, um, I think it ties in very much to what, what we're talking about here earlier, the distractions, it's just that. Um, but I think specifically, you know, even that phrase right there where it talks about social media, um, it's a way to connect with a multitude of people all at one time. And I think one of the, the biggest challenges that comes along with that is um, probably comparison. I think um, that seems to be a big thing, especially among the younger generations. Um, And what I mean by that is to say they're on there and there's a natural tendency to to connect with people uh, and look at things where you compare yourself to what else is going on. Uh, Other people's lives, what they get to do, um, the places they go, the clothes they're wearing, the places they hang out all of that kind of stuff. So I think that definitely has an impact on relationships, and I think it gives an unrealistic burden to true relationships. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges that comes with social media. That's a very good point. I I find something a little bit unusual about social media is that people can claim to have hundreds and hundreds of friends uh, on that system, yet they could come to a big church like this and say they don't know anybody. You know, and it's because it, it takes some investment to go to somebody face-to-face and get to know them and just put your information out there and see who, who catches it, you know. And it, it's a very different approach. It, it, it just kind of blows my mind that, it, that it's that way. Pammy, how can we deal with social media without forfeiting our souls? Well, moderation is the key, first of all, and... I think that we need to step back and uh, look at our life kind of like a plant, you know, and prune off some of the dead areas that are not producing fruit. If you're pouring so much time and energy into Facebook, and this is very timely, I just deleted my account recently, <laughs> and, I, and I was so happy, I, I was glad to get rid of it. I was you know? too. <laughs> but, but no, really, you know, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Play some praise music in your home. Yes. Put some praise music on, you know. Uh, do some things that are, that are going to build you, build you and your family and your kids up. And uh, you just have to flat turn it off sometimes because it becomes an idol yes. to many people, you know, and... Uh, it's, it, it's competitive. You see so much competition and a lot of damage done to people in their, their minds and their wills and their emotions. And so we just have to use moderation and not let anything become an idol and turn it off, for goodness yes. sakes. Amen. Amen. You know, in Proverbs 4.23, it says to keep and guard your heart because out of it flows the springs of life. Yeah. Protect your heart. Because when you protect your heart and you are in the presence of God, you're going to to know when something is not right. 
You know, and you're going to say, and you're going to guard you, yourself from that. So always, always say, God, is this what I need to be doing? Do, do I need to remove myself from this situation? And God will answer you. He will answer you. Can I say one more quick mm-hmm. thing? Another thing, too, is we have to realize that, uh, you know, we have to guard our gates, our eye gate, our ear gate. We have to guard those gates and guard the atmosphere in our home. You know, we, uh, many times we open up the door to demonic spirits and we don't even realize it yes. through social media. Okay. Um, we talked about this right before we came and it was, I told Pammy, I said, I've been in advertising for 30 years and I know all the tricks with all the disclaimers and how you put the disclaimer at the bottom and, you know, everybody reads the big stuff and then they got the little asterisk there and it says that we, we don't realize that we think everything's free in life, this Facebook, it's all free. You said it best. They want your information. Yes. They get your information. You're giving, have you ever thought about it? You looked at something online and a few minutes later you look at your Facebook and there's the advertisement for what you were just looking at? Yeah. So it's more than just giving you a free service. They want to tap into you as a client. How do you think they make all their money? By advertisers wanting your information. Yes. That's, that's how it works. So just yes. so you know, one of the little tricks of advertising, that's, that's what they're after. <laughs> stay, stay guarded, stay guarded. Uh, Mallory, how do you actively pursue building relationships with others? Um, for me, this is not necessarily a struggle, but I'm not naturally outgoing right at first. I'm not the type of person that can just walk in a room and just start conversations, and I have to have some kind of connection. Um, But I know that every time that I have put myself out there, I've always been glad that I have. I've never went home and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have tried to talk to that person today. You know what I mean? Every time I've tried to pursue the relationship with someone, whether it be um, at church, at work, uh, another mom out in public. It's, people want to feel connected to you somehow. That's how conversations get started. Um, and then I would just say through encouragement and through serving, too, uh, might kind of sound weird, but people want to be served. They want to they hear words of affirmation. They want to be able to, you know, I'm just thinking of situations like going with my kids to the library and, and seeing another mom there with their kids and, and saying like, oh, you know, your kids are so well behaved. That is the start of pursuing a relationship with somebody that I don't even know. And it's a way to encourage them. And then, and then that opens the door for conversations to be started. Um, so for me, it's just also giving people my undivided attention being able to put down those electronics. Um, and uh, one thing that I had written down here um, in pursuing relationships with others is don't gossip. Such a big one that I feel like we struggle with as a people um, in the world today that nobody really talks about. But we, we, even when we're not necessarily saying bad things, it's just spreading words that mean nothing. It's not, it's not promoting any good, and it, and it doesn't... I know whenever I hear somebody that's constantly in my ear gossiping about other people, I don't really want to engage in a relationship with them because I'm thinking, what are they saying about me when I'm not around? Exactly. Um, so just being slow to speak and quick to listen. Yes. Amen. Good yes. stuff. Good yes. stuff. Marilyn? 
what are the boundaries with the opposite sex when you are married? What's the boundaries? I don't want that question. I'm not married. <laughs> <laughs> You're wise, though, on that. You're wise. I, I prefer my sister, Pam. <laughs> submit, Marilyn, submit. <laughs> okay, repeat the question. <laughs> what are the boundaries with the, with, uh, with the opposite sex when you're married? Hmm. Randy, don't say a word. Randy Beebe. <laughs> His dad used to say that I would never submit. Uh, the boundaries when you're married. This is not a good one, Lynn. Uh, you still have to you still have to honor. I think men always want honor. I have learned that, and so uh, you still have to honor that. As God said, He is the head of the house. Okay, when you're married, uh, I believe that is probably one of the most uh, important things when you're married. And as far as boundaries, uh, I would just use you you know use the scriptures. Don't do anything. Uh, don't do anything, it's, like, it's integrity. Don't do anything yes. that you would care for anybody else to see you do. Yes. It's integrity. Right. Yes. That's what I would probably say most of all. Absolutely. And there's a scripture that says, drink from your own fountain. Right. And, and something else, too. You got me going, Marilyn. I just thought Thank of you. a couple <laughs> things. That's what we want. That we, you know, when you get married, you're done looking. You're, you know what? If you're still looking, you're still shopping. Okay? Build you're married, you are done. Build that wall. That's what you got to do. Amen. <laughs> Even Job said that he made a covenant with his eyes before God that he would not look on other young women. Yep. Right, honey? Protect your southern border and build a wall. <laughs> what you do? Good. We're going to give you a chance to, to expand on that, Jerry, because we want we want a perspective from both sides of the panel on that. So go ahead. I feel like you can still have friendships with the opposite sex. You just have to watch how you do them. You know, I don't think I would go to dinner with another man if I married. That you just can't do that. You know, um, I just think that you just have to watch what you do. Now, if somebody calls me up and wants me and my husband to go, that's fine. But I wouldn't do something without him. And I wouldn't call another man unless I, unless I made sure that their wife knew I was calling for a specific person. You don't do that. You just don't call somebody, another man, whether he was, if, whether he was single or married. You just don't do that. There's boundaries. You know, right. that's not, that is, that, again, that's integrity. There's nothing you have to say to him unless it's strictly business, and I talk to a lot of men with business, but you don't just call and say, it's a beautiful day today, is it? <laughs> Who cares? Yes. That is not, you don't open that door. Yes. No chit-chat. Yes. No chit-chat. I've learned Good also answer. something from someone in, in this body that, I'm, that I just highly respect is when I send a text and it has to be to a man, I will add Wayne to the conversation. That way we're all covered in that conversation. And there's no what ifs, what did he say or what she say, you know, because just the day and age that we live in, we got to protect ourselves in any way that we can. So I, I do do that, and I think that's a good practice to do. And Job said, I put a guard or a watch over my eyes. So you've got to, like Tammy said, you've got to guard the gates. You really have to watch what you look at, what you hear, what you say, everything like that. It's very important, and you have to be loyal. 
to your word, to your wife. I will love, honor, cherish, respect her. God is loyal to his word above everything. Right. Yep. That's what he says in Psalm 138 too. His word is even higher than his reputation. Yeah. So our word is so important. And if you, if you have your word given to your wife, keep it. Yes. Amen. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's one of the key, key words in there is respect. You have to have respect for your own spouse. And then you have to d demand respect from people outside of that union that you have. This, this is just us. It's not anybody else. So they're, they're not welcome. They're welcome to uh, interact with you, but they're not welcome to go past those boundaries. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to stay at those, those in your own relationships. Uh, Jacob, what are people ages 25 to 45 looking for in the church today, you think? Um, I'm at the very bottom of that spectrum. <laughs> but uh, uh, I would say, I mean, I know we're, we're talking about relationships tonight, and, I, and I, this, just that connectedness. Um, with a body, you know, uh, this whole social, social media era that we're in, uh, that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for a connection. And um, that whole age range, that's what they, they're striving for approval. They're striving for acceptance. Um, and I think that in the church, they're just looking for a way to connect with other people um, and become like-minded with other people and to be uh, affirmed with each other. And uh, I think that's one reason it's good that we do, you know, our life groups and stuff is that we are able to, to gather uh, with people and do life together. That's the whole motto is to do life together. Um, and I think that's what people want is just a way to actually connect. And they want something real. Right. Uh, they need people who, they need to come in here and they need to see people who are not only speaking the word, but they're living it. Right. Um, so I, I think that's what, that's what they want, it's just a way to be connected, and they want to be connected to something that is real. Really? That's very good. Yes, yes. Does anybody else on the panel want to add to that? I agree with exactly what he said. That was pretty much going to be what my answer was, is um, getting involved, like going to events, doing things um, right. as a church, getting connected with other people. And like he said, I think acceptance is a lot of it. You want other people to accept you. So how do you how do you uh, feel to get to be a part of a big church, but still like feel like a family still? You know, we have a large body here, but how do you feel like you're a part of this large body and feel like family? Well, to be honest with you, we came from a really small church. We came from a church that was like 40 people on a Sunday was a really good Sunday. <laughs> um, so it was a big difference for us. Um, but to be honest with you, we sit in the same area, so we get connected with the same people where we sit right behind you. Um, so we kind of get familiar with those people. Um, we converse with them right after church. We just, I don't know, we get connected with them um, in that area that you're in. Now, I would say coming to a big church, it is a little harder to, um, there'll be times somebody will say, oh, well, I go there. I'm like, well, where do you sit? I've never seen you. So it is a little harder to get to know everybody. Um, I feel like, um, like being invited to do this was, I felt very um, accepted and was, yes, very honored to do this. I didn't expect it at all. Now, I'm definitely out of my comfort zone, and I wanted to say no, <laughs> but um, I felt like I was asked, so there was a reason why I was asked. Yes. So. Can I add something? Yes. For you ladies, the ladies' Bible study is a good way. I'm just saying. 
I think Vicky, Vicky paid me to say that. <laughs> Promote your ministry any chance you get. That's good. That's good. I'll add one, one thing to that as well. Um, I'll never forget my sister-in-law telling me, we, you know, we started coming here. We knew a lot of people because my grandmother and my aunt had attended. And so I, I felt like I knew people and I felt like I was connected, but I, we weren't doing anything. We were just kind of coming. And I remember my sister-in-law saying, so how is it your church? She, she doesn't live here. And I was like, because I go there. She was like, yeah, but how is it yours? And I was thinking, I don't know. So I had, I had to start getting involved. I had to start serving. And I had to start making it my, you know, when you have a family, you're protective of them. You defend them. When, when other people are talking about them, you say, that's my family. You know, and when it's your church, you protect it and you defend it. Very good. Very good stuff. I'm going to ask this question to you, Josh. You did a wonderful job the other day talking about this subject, so you can maybe expand on it again. And why should Christians vote? Well, of course, you know, in America, um, we're unlike so many other nations. Um, that's how our whole founding is set upon. That's the way our whole government is, is set upon, is the rule of the people. Um, we are not ruled by a monarchy like what we used to be. In fact, I think the only monarchy, that true monarchy, not like what they have in England now, but the true monarchy that they have on earth is in Saudi Arabia. And what the king says in Saudi Arabia goes. I mean, it's the rule of the land. And so uh, we have a responsibility. And at the same time, we're unbelievably blessed. And I think for us to not, in our country, to not vote, to not participate to not carry on a Christian ethic and a Christian moral in our voting, you are naturally giving it over into an unbiblical yes. way of doing things. And so I think we, um, we have a responsibility uh, to see things because, you know, often we pray in the church, often we'll pray about, you know, Lord, change America, Lord, do this. We pray for our politicians. We pray for all these things. And one of the simplest acts that you will ever do is just literally take, what, 10 minutes of your life from the time that you park in a parking lot and go in and vote, and you can literally change the course of a nation. Amen. I remember um, some of the things I heard over years of study was it was by one vote that Adolf Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany. One vote put him in there. Um, it was by one vote that we speak English in the United States and not German. Because that was going to be, that was up for debate. Uh, there were so many German immigrants that was actually up for debate. So the point of it is, you go through history and you'll see the importance of just one vote and the impact that it can literally take, uh, carry an entire nation into. And so we obviously have a responsibility to do that. Very good, very good. It is time for another polling question. So let's get those phones out. Get your stuff loaded up. I will do the same. Maybe. This is your chance nope. to vote, church. Yes, it's right your chance it to vote. Uh, are you following a financial budget? Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, Marilyn, 
<laughs> How does tithing help us? I just want, we just discussed this before we came today. Tithing, I was telling, I, I promote tithing, tithing even at my work because we are commission sales, commission based. And we got a lot of good young uh, salesmen that work there and a lot of them go to church. They're Christians. But uh, some people have a lot of issues with their money. And I ask them, are you tithing? And they look at me really funny. And uh, they said, well, no. I said, well, you're always going to have financial problems unless you tithe. Now, they profess to be Christians, okay? And, and uh, so this one, one gentleman, he says, well, I don't understand tithing. And I said, well, have you ever studied tithing? And, you know, it's not in the New Testament per se. The word's not in the New Testament, and you have to go back to the Old Testament. But tithe means a tenth. I said, it is in the Bible. You can study it out. It's in the Old Testament, and then it is referenced in the New Testament. And even one place, in, one place, you know, when you tithe. I said, but it's a spiritual law. Yes. More yeah. than anything, it's a spiritual law. And you can't hardly, you can hardly explain spiritual laws. But it's just a fact. When you give, you receive. If you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant finances, God blesses you one way or the other. It might not actually be dollars, but you'll have, it, he will bless you with wealth. If, if you, and this is, I knew this lady, she always was real good about uh, making Afghans for older people. When she got older, she had too many Afghans. God will bless you wherever you're at. And it is scriptural, and it has, I have proven it. Of course, I've tithed all my life, but even then giving comes above that. And I'm telling you, it is, it is, uh, it, it is scriptural, and I believe in it, and it will totally change your life. It just puts you over because God really wants to bless us. And yeah. yes. Deuteronomy, it tells us, you know, it, it tells us about the blessings and the curses. And it boils down to uh, health, wealth, and eternal life. Yes. And God wants that for, uh, for us, for his children. I tell people all the time, he did not put the good things on this earth for the devil's kids. Amen. He put them for us. Amen. We're his children. And as long as we live right and do right, he wants to bless us. But we have to also obey and, and do what he says. One principle of tithing, and it's, I give credit to Josh for this, um, something that uh, he spoke to us in uh, class when, whenever Samantha and I was going up there. Um, one thing that, you know, it may not be, might not be directly in Scripture, but uh, think about tithing on your gross. You know, you have your gross and you have your net, what you get after taxes and all that. Um, and one thing Josh asked the class is, you know, whether you want to be blessed on your gross or your net. And this is something I didn't even think about growing up, you know. Um, I, I just thought, you know, well, I, this is what I get, this is what I give. Uh, I give a tenth of what I, I get from it. Um, but since then, uh, you know, Samantha and I started practicing that, going off of our gross. And, and uh, not just you know, in finances, but just in other areas of life, we've just seen, you know, God's blessed us for that. Amen. Um, yes. And he's really uh, kept us. And that's just one principle I wanted other people to think about, because that's something that I didn't right. you know, uh, think about before then. So. Very good point. Very good point. Some things that I would add to that, you know, the scripture even says in Malachi chapter 3, um, um, you know, the scripture says, and it's the Lord speaking here, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Yeah. 
over your life. And so, um, you know, when the Lord confronted Israel, he said, you know, you have robbed me. Well, Lord, how have we robbed? Well, you've robbed me in your tithe and your offering. And, and then he goes on and he speaks there in verse 11 about how he will rebuke the devourer over someone's life. And, you know, as a Christian, since I've been married all my life, all my working life, I have paid in tithe. I've given offering. And has it been a stretch at times? Absolutely. In fact, I remember one time early in my marriage, we, uh, after Hannah and I wrote a tie check, we looked and we balanced our checkbook. We had a dollar and 57 cents left on our checkbook. And we were sweating bullets. I mean, we were thankful that we were able to pay our tithe, you know, but we were like, oh my goodness, you know, and how, well, you know, all these years later, here we are, I'm blessed. You know, God has blessed us. And I would also add to the fact that, that yes, you know, somebody brought up the point a while ago about what you, what you sow to is what you're going to reap. But at the same time, God is so good that he'll bless you abundantly in many areas above and beyond. And so, you know, you see people out in the world that, you know, let's be honest, maybe they're not Christian. They don't live a holy life. They're, um, they're wealthy. They're doing well financially. But I guarantee you that there will probably be some areas and avenues in their life that are falling apart. They have all kinds of money, but they're miserable people to be around. Um, and so you, you can see that even though they might be a success financially, let's say in certain areas, they may not be a success in other areas. But um, all these years later, having lived this principle and, and seen God honor His Word, in fact, if, if I'm remembering correctly, that this is the only area in, in Scripture where the Lord says, test me. Yeah. It's the only area in Scripture where God said, test me and see if I want. We know in every other area, God says, don't test me. I mean, just like a parent would their child, don't test me. In other words, don't push it. In this particular area, God says, test me and see if I won't be faithful. And so I, I'm at a place in my walk with the Lord that I would literally be afraid not to tithe. And I mean that. I would be afraid not to tithe and not give offering uh, because, because I have seen how the Lord has just, you know, my life, different areas, different struggles, different seasons, how he has just went above and beyond. I mean, just blessed me above and beyond anything that certainly what I deserve, but just even think. And so there, there's a biblical principle and that's not just for Josh reasons. That's, that's a principle for everybody yeah. that God will do that for everybody. So I want to encourage everybody to step out and, and be faithful in that. Even when you think you can't afford it, do it, and God will bless you for it. Very good. Uh, ben, give us some reasons to set financial goals. Uh, well, let's see. I know in Proverbs 21, 5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always kind of went by that verse. Um, it, well, and you go through the Proverbs. Uh, some time ago in my life, I decided, you know, that I want to biblically be sound, be sound biblically financially. And the Proverbs is full of just natural, uh, normal, everyday situations that telling you how to save money and put back. And it even talks about the ants that have no ruler. They put, they put back, they store away for hard times. Yeah. I mean, just simple guidelines in the Word of God that He gives us that can feed you, to, to give you wisdom and insight um, with setting financial goals. But yes, it's definitely important. And sometimes when we set a financial goal, we may not always meet that, but you're a lot farther ahead than if you didn't. Absolutely. And uh, um, there's also uh, uh, going back to the tithing thing. I, I just want to add something to that too. 
I've also noticed in my own life that you, you know, the Bible talks about giving you the desires of your heart. It seems when you're tithing, the desires of your heart change. Mm -hmm. And that you start desiring what's, what you don't want for things of the world, or you don't want for things that ain't healthy, and you don't want for things that may be more vain. Your your want for things means usually lines more up with the Bible, and that's an important thing. But going back to goals, if you don't set goals, you're not going to ever meet something that's not even set. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, very good, very good. Uh, Pammy, how important is it to manage manage your money? How important is that in a home? I was thinking about what Ben just said, and you'd heard that little saying: uh, "Fail to plan, plan to fail." for one thing, and then something I tell people all the time, Ben, you've heard me say this, inch by inch, anything's a cinch if you're you're working through a financial thing. But it's very, money is crucial in your marriage because there's three key things that will either make or break, can either make or break a marriage. Number one, of course, is communication. Number two, intimacy. Number three is money. So it's very, very important that you are in unity you know, according to the word of God and, and in your relationship. Since we do everything together, can I say something? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Josh said one of the key words, God said, test me. Well, your test becomes your testimony, mm-hmm. okay? And you think about the number 10. The number 10 in the Bible stands for testimony, okay? So what God is really in essence saying, you give me a 10, 10 I'm going to give you a testimony about That's my good. goodness. That's what Amen. he's really saying Amen. to us. And we have tested that out, and now it is our testimony, and we have seen it happen, haven't we, honey? Yes. That's great. Uh, Mallory, what is the best way to use credit cards? Um, Proverbs 22 and 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we right. have a credit card that we use to pay for things that we have money for. We don't spend beyond our means. So basically, we use it to earn credit, is how personally we use it. Uh, borrowing can, we've seen it happen to people around us, become a downward spiral that can get you trapped up in things that we personally don't want to be a part of. Um, it can pull you away from the freedom that Christ himself gives. Um, this is not necessarily a question I was more comfortable with. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. But that's just how we personally use credit cards. We just use it to earn the credit, but we do not spend beyond our means. Great. We're going to move on to our final polling question. Uh, The results of this question will not be on the screen. This is just for uh, information for the purposes. Uh, Did you enjoy the format of this evening's and... uh, that, that is the question. Same procedure. Go through uh, this app or uh, what you ever clicked before, and then we'll go answer that question. Guys, they have asked me to close out tonight's service. I'm going to ask if everybody would just go ahead and stand up tonight. Obviously, this has been a little bit different format than what we're used to on any of our given services, but one of the things that kept uh, being thrown around, uh, one of the ideas that kept being thrown around about this kind of a format and doing this tonight was it's part of discipleship. 
it's part of teaching and training. And, you know, sometimes it's good to hear different voices other than those that are always behind the pulpit. And, you know, one thing that I hope that you were, as I was, um, I was impressed by a lot of the answers up here tonight. I was thoroughly impressed. And you can see the wisdom, you can see the Spirit of God uh, at work in their lives. But here's the thing, guys, just as He's at work in their lives, He's at work in your life as well. And God, God is in the business of us growing. And you noticed a lot of these questions, they covered so many areas. They covered you know, marriage relationships and friendships and uh, business relationships and just all kinds of things from social media and money. And all of those things, all of those aspects tie into relationships in general. They come back to this whole notion of relationships in general. And uh, God wants us to have thriving, holy, um, appropriate, if I can put it that way, relationships that are going to be beneficial to you and to the church as a whole, and frankly, to His kingdom. Because that's how the church is going to grow. That's how we grow in Christ. That's how the kingdom is going to grow. So how many of you enjoyed tonight? You really enjoyed this type of service. Amen. Well, I just simply want to close this out with a prayer tonight. And hopefully, you know, if there were any questions that were addressed tonight, you can take the biblical wisdom that was given and take it and apply it to your life. That's what the Word of God is about. Amen? That's what the Word of God is about. If you just take it, I remember one of my college teachers all the time, he used to, he used to tell us, he would, he would always assign these scripture memory verses. And then he would add above and beyond that. He would say, don't just memorize the scripture. He would say, go home and think about it, meditate on it, and apply it to your life. And that's when you'll see the real fruit. So hopefully you've got some principles tonight from these that were up here that you can apply these principles and see your life changed and grow in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the strong and in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we're just so thankful uh, for an opportunity, God, a church setting where we can just come in and be open and honest and ask these Sometimes difficult questions, but Lord, do it in a good way, in a right way, Lord. Lord, we, we felt your spirit at work. We heard your word that went out on so many different areas tonight, Lord, that cover our lives. Lord, we pray that we can take this stuff and apply it into our life to better represent you and represent the kingdom of God. And everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 You guys are dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for coming.